Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the Paula Price Show, where you can experience scripturally organic, culturally unmodified teaching, get answers to your questions, and receive powerful prayer from your host, Dr. Paula Price, author of the Prophet's Dictionary. Tune in now and get ready for an exciting time of encouragement and transformation. Welcome your host, Dr. Paula Price. I decided, Ashley, that I would come in for my favorite show in my favorite studio. And so I want to welcome you all to today's show. I'm excited about being here. Now, listen, before I get started, I want to remind you that I have a talk show. It's a real talk show, wonderful set, great production, and I want to encourage you to go to YouTube and watch it and share it. Share Taking It On with Paula Price. Now, you know, taking it on is a bold statement. And it's, it's bold because, well, I take it on. So we've taken on, actually, the origin of sin. We've taken on the origin of Christianity. We've taken on domestic violence, especially when you're, uh, the abuser is a minister. We took that on a couple of times. That was good. We have taken on what? What else have we done? We've done so much. We've got like, what, eight or nine shows done, Ashley? We have uh, 10 that have aired. Well, the first episode was What is the It? Yes. What is the It in technique? Because It is important. <laughs> yes. So the It is whatever God wants to address. Now, I want to invite you to send in topics, and we can take them on. Things that are interesting. We did about the soul of a nation. I think that's what we did last week. If I'm not mistaken, we did the soul of a nation. And so we come on, on uh, if you're in the Tulsa area or the KWHB viewing area, we come on Channel 47, which covers Tulsa, Oklahoma, I think it's Arkansas. They, went, they gave me a list, so I'm not going to mess it up. But if you're in those areas, you can catch me every Sunday morning at 7.30 a.m., and Sunday afternoon while you're having dinner at 5.30 p.m. You don't want to miss it. But let's say you're not in that area, the viewing area of the show. No problem. It goes live on YouTube at 7.30 in the morning on Sundays. So either way, you can view it. You want to view it because it's not classic preaching. I'm not preaching. It may, every now and then it could get a little preachy, you know, since that's in my blood. But <clears throat> it's a discussion. We address issues. And so if you have something you want to address and something you feel like, hey, you know what, Dr. Price, I'd like to hear God's thoughts on it, make it one of my it topics, okay, please submit it. I like to end up submitting it. See, and that's great. It works out. Submit your it topic, and we will research it. I have researchers all, you know, from all around. As a matter of fact, I have a couple of very hot shows coming and a few shows that the network is probably going to have to say for mature audiences only because it's going to get hot. We were, you know, we're warming up. <laughs> we're warming up and we're gearing up to take on whatever God needs. We're going to take on issues like abortion for Christianity. We're going to dig into yoga. I am going to slam yoga for the Christians. Now, if they want to do it outside of Christ, that's fine. But I'm going to expose that lying devil that told you that God doesn't mind if you allow other deities in your brain. And that's what yoga does. 
So I'm going to slam it. I want you to get, those of you who go to these little yoga classes, you need to get a refund because we're going to talk about it. Because anybody who is a Christian who does yoga does not know Jesus Christ. You, the only reason you do it is if you don't know him. And if you don't know him, then your salvation is questionable. And you need to question that. You need to question why God has to cohabitate, cohabitate with another deity in your body and in your soul and in your spirit, because that's what yoga means. And so I have this one. When I get ready to do it, I'm going to do it on the taking it on thing, because you know I need a wider audience. And so I, have, I, I was researching this, getting this ready for my next shoot, yoga. Because, you know, people are asking me something. I'm asking, they're in the uh, health food store. You go to the health food store, you're going to get yoga. You're not going to get Christ. You're going to get Buddha or Brahma, depending on which one you're coming from, which, which end of the spectrum you're coming from. Because you haven't even figured out the origin of yoga. Half of you all are listening to these pastors who have dropped out on God so long ago, they can't even remember how to spell his name. And you're listening to them, telling you what's okay and what is not okay, according to their apostasy. Because those are apostate preachers. I know we don't look, hey, Ashley, we don't use apostasy any longer, do we? We should use that word. I think we should bring no, that back. I think that one was. Oh. Yes. We, we talked about that, you know? And so, you know, apostasy, it means to stand away from your faith and its founder or to defect. You know, when, when, when uh, people from other countries defect, from their homeland, that means they have left their homeland, severed their ties with their homeland, completely taking on the, the laws, the government, and the culture of the country that they're coming to. So, you know, people defect from China, defect from Russia to America, that's a big deal. As a matter of fact, I remember sitting in the airport once, reading my passport. You know you don't read your passport. I want to tell you. <laughs> I want to tell you, those of you who have a passport, read it. Those of you who do not go, uh, have one, go online and read your passport and see what America requires of you to be considered an American when you are traveling abroad. So the word apostasy actually means to step away from or defect from your faith and your God. And we keep talking about you know, folk can't lose their salvation. You can't. You know, in your passport, it lets you know you must surrender that passport if you're going to stay in another nation and become a citizen. Or either you're going to have to get, get the, um, go through a process of having dual citizenship. But God does not have dual citizenship. So you write that down. God does not have dual citizenship. I'm going to say that again because most of you have been told that he does. God does not have dual citizenship. You can say we live on earth and in heaven at the same time, and I will say that you are born again, and when you're born again, your body still belongs to the earth. The rest of you belongs to the invisible, immaterial realm of God. So when you start making decisions about God and about heaven and about, uh, you know, God's world, you cannot make them according to the body because the flesh Profit nothing. A lot of things that you've been told are things that work on planet Earth that will die when your body dies. You haven't even realize that. When your body dies, your soul and your spirit go into a whole other set of laws and governance that are not 
compatible with mortality or an earth. And so when you think about it, and I've been saying this, you know, especially in our biblical uh, psychology class, you guys have got to, oh, Jesus, don't, don't miss Prophet Ashley's post in the morning because she does these wonderful Facebook posts. Don't miss those, but you have got to go and, 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 and listen to those. But in that, we talk about Adam's death in order to understand what God allows and what God doesn't allow, what works in God's world and what will not work in God world, God's world. You have got to. Oh, give God a praise. You've got to look at it differently. The body returns to the death. So you might say, well, if my body returns to the death, does it matter what I do with it? Yes, it does matter what you do with it. And you know why? Because your body gets its impulses from the soul. Your body gets its impulses from the soul. Not from, your, not from the flesh, not from your human instincts not from your physiological makeup. All of that is pushed into your body from the soul, the soul realm. Now, when you think about it, the soul and the body are kind of close, obviously, from what I'm, say- what I'm saying, and the soul is not where the occultists say it is. It is not where the, the religionists say it is. Your, body, your soul is not a dot in your brain. You need to accept that. Because you think it's a dot in your brain, that is not the soul. That is not what God breathed into Adam after he formed his corpse. So when God first completed his creation, the soul, the body, and the spirit were fused as one. And they were reflective of the Godhead, God the Father, the Spirit, God the Son, God's soul, and and the body. Because the body, even now with the ecclesia, is the Holy Spirit. Oh, man, uh, i got to pick something. I thought that was good. Did you think that was good? Wasn't that a good snap? Yeah, I'm getting better at that. See? It must be the new set. Anyway, so hear me. Everything, you know, we talk about why three is a big deal and why the world wants to get rid of three, Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. God, the Father, brought himself into existence. He then begot from his being his son who represents his soul. Why do I know that? Dr. Price, how do you know that? Where do you get this stuff from? Because Acts says that Jesus' soul went to hell. Hmm. So he's the father. He, you know, now all of them have elements of each other. They're all one and the same. So, you know, but they, they have distinct functions in this thing called God, distinct functions. Just like your spirit is as much you as your soul is. Your soul is as much you as your body is, but they all have distinct functions in their existence that, that manage and negotiate and navigate their existence. So here we go. So God breathes into man the breath of life, and Adam becomes a living soul. Now, why doesn't God say spirit the way some errant translations of the Bible want to say it? Oh, no, it must be spirit because man is spirit, spirit first, because God breathed in man, Adam, what he needs to live on earth. And at that point, the spirit in Adam was tied to the Holy Spirit or to God's spirit, and so there was no separation between God's spirit and Adam and the, his human spirit that was given to him. That didn't happen to the fall. That didn't happen until he lost the contest with the serpent. So he breathes into Adam, and Adam becomes a living soul. So if you have your own Bible and you have one of those kind of quirky Bibles that have been edited by pastors and not apostles and prophets, you need to scratch out spirit and you need to write soul. I have been doing a study on soul, study the soul, 
in Scripture, 498 times it appeared. And I have been combing through every single one to make sure that what we're teaching about the soul is consistent with Scripture. So, and if you notice, I didn't say just Bible, because, you know, Bible, you can put anything between those two pages. The Scripture is the God-breathed Word. You should know that. God-breathed Word. So if God didn't breathe the Word that you're living on, well, dot, dot, dot. And so, so getting back to what I'm saying, so God has, God created Adam, and he breathed into the corpse that he created with his own hands, and Adam became a living soul. At that time, Adam's soul was deposited in him, which was within the Almighty. Adam's spirit was deposited in him, fused with the Almighty, which is what happens when you're born again. And then Adam's blood and all of his chemistry, all of his physiological uh, uh, energies and issues were thrown in him at the same time. So Adam gets a heart. He gets Now, God already had, he had a heart. He had a heart because he created it. So all of those organs were laying there waiting for what? The breath of life. So in one fell smooth, you know, smooth, the Holy Ghost, Jesus breathed, because you know Jesus is maker, breathed into Adam. So that means while God was making this corpse, he was literally holding its life force and its energies in his own person. Ah, you know, that's good. Now, where was that like? Where did it come from? Well, think about it. On the sixth day, God created man. Male and female, six, that. We don't think about that. So, but they were not on earth. They were created elsewhere. Basically, they were created in his being by his own mind. I'm going to make a, rep, a small replication of myself. What you all think? And so God, because he said everything else, he created man's spirit and soul on the sixth day. As yet, there was no body. And so what God communed with and what God enjoyed on the Sabbath day was the immaterial, incorporeal side of man, the real life. Now, why is that a big deal? I mean, what is the big deal about this? Here's the big deal. Earth cannot define what is right or wrong, what is approved and unapproved unto God beyond what God's spirit reveals. And we keep acting as if all of because most of these religions were born from the earth, not, not Christians. Humans were not born from the earth. As a matter of fact, scientists trying to, trying to rewrite the, the story and ignore intelligent design um, keep trying to say, even they admit that the material that the human body, because they're going on body, is made of, hallelujah, is not from this world. Is made of star stuff, the stuff that God made stars with. Well, that's debatable. I can argue with that in so many ways, but I'm not going to waste my time with that. What I am going to tell you is that your spirit and your soul were what were made on the sixth day. Your body was crafted on the eighth day, which is why eight is a big deal in God's realm because eight belongs to the earth, new body or embodiment. So God makes the body, he, and he breathes into Adam. What does he breathe into? The, he breathes into, I can't even get over that, that this is a dead corpse, beautiful, I'm sure, all good parts, 
all wonderful parts made from a brand new renovated earth, which means that there's no sickness in it, there's no mortality in it, no propensity for diseases or anything like that. And he breathes into Adam, and Adam gets his two-thirds. So two-thirds of you are made outside of the planet, and only one-third of you is made in the planet. Now, is this helping you guys? This is great. Some of you all who are Sunday teachers, you're going to have a blast. A Sunday school teachers and Bible study teachers, you're going to have a blast with this this weekend. So, so we're allowing one-third of us to dictate the other two-thirds. So your body, and, 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 and because we operate on what we can see, because one of the things that the fall did was downgrade us, shut off two-thirds of our brain and downgrade us so that everything that we that hits our five senses is respected. If you happen to be a little bit more elevated, then you'll appreciate the soul, which is the sixth sense, and your spirit is your seventh sense. Or your first, if we're going to talk about orders of creation, meaning the spirit being one, two, and three. So if you're talking about your senses, you're talking about the five senses of your body, and then your soul being the sixth sense, and your spirit being the seventh, which is why seven is so important. Do you all appreciate that? So we're, we're at a place where you have to understand where, where, why the problem is with the body. So here you are. You go and you make these decisions where there are certain things that are automatic and required for your body. Your body's just going to call for. That's food. That's clothes. That's um, water, relationships, etc. But that's not God's hierarchy because God's hierarchy is that your body returns to the dust and your soul which came from his realm, returns to him. So your soul is the property of the invisible realm. Your spirit is the property of the invisible realm. If you don't appreciate that, then you will never wrap your head around what is and is not approved of God. You'll start doing all sorts of things because your body will dictate them, and your body will want it because you think your body is giving you the dictates, but it isn't. All of that is coming from your soul realm. Now, we could say it comes from the spirit realm, but that won't happen until you're born again. So from the soul realm, all of that is coming. So now we make decisions, and we make decisions on heaven and hell and righteousness and sin and life and death and, you know, morality versus righteousness. We make all of these things, what's approved of God, what isn't approved of God, and how God makes his decisions and judgments. Most of you don't know. Because if you've been in a classic pastoral church, you've been affirmed for being you as you are. Because that's what pastors do. We affirm you, you know, as you are. We don't want to scare you. We don't want to uh, cause you to leave. We don't want you to hold up your money. But that's what pastors do. Now, I'm not one of those pastors, but I am a pastor. So much of what you have learned has not come from the offering mantles of Scripture. What you believe, you believe from your local congregation. You don't believe it because you heard from God. You don't even understand God's issues. For example, your pastors will tell you it's about you being saved and being a good Christian, doing good deeds. That's not God's um, standard at all. God's standard is you being his and having no other God before him and him not having to compete with all of the other passions and lusts of your flesh for what is rightfully his. So now we get back to things and questions like yoga. You know, and you, I walked into a health food store, and the woman, and please, I'm so not the woman. So 
So the woman decides to tell me that in order to get rid of my stress, I need yoga, I need meditation and stress. And I said, I don't do yoga. I don't believe in it. I, I don't approve of it, and I don't do it. Oh, no, it's not. there's nothing wrong with Oh, is everything wrong with you? Everything. The first thing, I mean, it knocks out that first commandment, thou shalt have no other God before me, and it knocks out, you should love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength, and it knocks out, you shall not seek to worship your God the way that the uh, nations around you or the heathen around you worship it. So there are so many things biblically wrong with yoga. I can't even believe the pastors are allowing it, but again, they're not in the Bible, so what do you expect? And obviously, they're not in Christ because he would have told them, don't take my people that way. Do not promote that to my people. But, of course, they didn't. But then these are the same pastors that allow you to pierce your body, which is also a, a ban, and then allow and encourage you to tattoo. I mean, these are the same pastors. You want to know what's wrong with the church? How about his leadership? How about the, 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 the whole idea of holiness and sanctification? How about the promotion of idolatry as, as your Christian liberty? Idolatry is not your Christian liberty. Idolatry is the worship and rituals and practices of a fallen god, of a fallen angel pretending to be a god. Write that down. Idolatry is the rituals and practice and worship of another god, which are really fallen angels. Those one-third, remember one-third? I love God. God's so cool. One-third of the angels, and your body is one-third of your makeup. Come on and love on Jesus. He's an amazing God. He's a fantastic, awesome, almighty God. So that one-third, clearly he sent that, that, that one-third was banished to earth. Hmm. I want to know if any of you all are picking it up. Are you seeing something here? Is anybody catching the revelation? Or better yet, the disclosure. One-third angels on the planet were cast out at that time, and they were cast down to earth, and they were in the earth realm. Come on, Jesus. They were in the earth realm when God came back to the planet to renovate it. They were in the soil. They were in the ecology, etc. But God purged all of that to, to give humanity a new start, but that same one-third is it, it, the equivalent of one-third, the physical side of you, the body side of you. So are they getting me? Are they following with me? Are they following with me normally? So, so here we have the one-third of the angels which are in, in the earth realm, and so God makes mankind from the dust of the earth. He's never said, where did, the, where did the devil come from? Where did the serpent come from? Where did those angels come from that said that we, they saw the daughters of men and that they were fair or beautiful and came down and left their first estate? They had another opportunity to do something right, but they didn't. And they came and embodied themselves, the human beings. And through that embodiment, created the culture that they wanted, that they forced on heaven, that heaven resisted, but their vision and their objectives still the same. So they, they, they come down and they populate the earth, and now instead of Adam's descendants being filled with the spirit of its maker, of their maker, 
they're now filled with the spirit of his, their adversary. Most of you all, you hear this whole psychological, you know, pagan religion concept, man is basically good, all humans have good in them, they just do bad things. That's like saying that all, all, um, all what do you call it, contaminated pots are good, the food just turned out bad. The poison in the pot passes on to the food. So that can't be a good rationale, but it is a good rationale for those who, don't, when you don't understand that two-thirds of the brain was shut off, was dropped. God just downgraded it. He downgraded it. How did he downgrade humanity? He didn't just downgrade them by, you know, putting curses on them. He downgraded them by exiting the human soul and spirit. He left Adam's being, and he pulled his spirit out, and he left Adam's spirit to be occupied and overtaken by Satan. That's what he did. That's how he guaranteed the law of sin and death would pass on. Adam made the choice. God, that was not some sort of um, reactive emit, uh, uh, um, sequence or consequence of God. It was literally Adam's choice. God had told Adam, of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you should not eat. Don't eat from that because in the day you eat from it, you will die. Now, two things happened. In addition to the, uh, the, the ground being cursed, Adam died. How did he die? Because Satan entered his soul, took over his soul, took over his spirit in the person of uh, 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 leaving that serpent, which was his pre-earth form, one of them, leaving that, he enters Adam's soul and he slaughters his spirit. Kills his spirit. The spirit. Now remember, it's the spirit that gives life. The flesh profits nothing. So he kills his spirit. Slaughters it. Right for that. Gone. So even though um, his spirit is still keeping him alive, it's no longer operating on God's life. And God is operating on the breath of life in the world, which is, my, which is why you have to inhale and exhale and all of those kinds of things, because you have to pull the air in through your pores from this earth realm. So he, he, he kills his soul, but he stations himself in his spirit so that he can govern his soul, because that's what your spirit does. His spirit governs the soul, and the soul commands the body. And so here we go. This is an interesting thing. I think you might like this. Some of you all, you probably appreciate this. So now Adam is no longer occupied by his maker, who is, no, who is no longer dwelling and abiding in him, and leaves the planet, which is why the planet is plunged in the darkness. Leaves the planet. And God, anticipating it, made two lights, the light, the sun to rule the day, and the moon for the night. But ultimately, the entire universe is plunged in the darkness. And as we go forward, moving on down the line, now Adam's will belongs to his new God. It may not be his maker God, but it is his resident God. And that resident God immediately goes about rewriting and recoding everything about Adam, his DNA, his, or his descendants to guarantee, and, and it's not even an active thing as much as it's more of a contagion, it's an inflection, and so that he is guaranteed to die, to diminish, and to keep diminishing until he's dead. So Adam lives 930 years, and then he's dead. The first 70 years with him and God. 
the rest of the 930 years belong to him and his new God. Because in God's world, a day is like a thousand years and a thousand years is like a day. Now, I'm telling you this. I'm telling you this from what, he, what I've been teaching. So <laughs> the first thing that Adam does, he gets a son for Satan. And that son is Cain. And Cain, we've talked about it in the past, Cain comes up with nature religions. And he also comes up with rituals and practices that supply the worship and devotion uh, instincts that God instilled in every human being. So that's part of his makeup. And so he he comes up, he's found, you want to know where nature religions come from? You want to know where pagan and paganism began? It began with Cain. Now, Adam probably had his share of it because I'm thinking there has to be a huge inner conflict between his human self, his independent will, and then his new God, his new spiritual force or spiritual life force. But I'm sure there was enough conflict and tension between them to for Cain to have observed some of that, because I'm thinking his brain, Adam's brain is shutting down slowly over those 900 years. It's darkening. It's shutting down all of the, the memories of God and all of that stuff are getting skewed and distorted. He has this other force inside of him that's also adversely affecting his brain. So he's deteriorating from his pristine and his supreme origin. And he's deteriorating so that he becomes very earthly. He becomes a man of the earth, like the earth, and he's fleshly. And it's all about death, and it's all about doom, and it's all about dying. If you look at our world today, look at the entertainment culture, if you look at the, uh, the what do you call the educational programs, but everything is about dying, how to die. And it's such a paradox because there's a little bit about how to live and stay alive, but that most of it is about dying. Most of the movies are about war and dying and death. Most of them, and, and, and the appetite for them is increased because, well, that's what Adam's new spiritual force is all about, enforcing the doom, assuring the death, and in between the two, manipulating and maneuvering the, the deterioration that will guarantee that doom becomes a human experience and death its end. That's real. And you can, you know, I'm like, people say, but I don't know if I believe that. I'm like, I don't know what you're talking about. We're living it. I mean, it's life. You thought, how you going to argue with life? You're living it. You came into this world as a baby. You look great in your 20s. You look magnificent in your 30s. You were still holding fast in your 40s. You start hitting the 50s, and you don't look like your 20s. What is that? What is that? That's obvious. You've got sickness and disease prevailing all over the place, and, and the more you get into paganism, the more paganism starts dominating the worship scene, and the more paganism and sorcery and witchcraft and, and all of those things start overtaking the human being, the more the, the human body becomes physiologically deteriorated. And so you've got diseases, cancers running rampant, you've got uh, trauma, you've got mental illnesses, emotional illnesses, you've got dysfunctions and deformities. Where do you think that came from? If God said he made man upright. Ecclesiastes says God made man upright, but he has invented many schemes. Man figured out how to die, which is what he learned at the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. How to kill myself, how to destroy myself, how to kill my progeny, how to kill my descendants and offspring, how to pervert life on earth. That's, that's all he had because remember, 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 whew, remember that the earth was, 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 was without 
form and void, and darkness was on the face of the deep until God said, let there be. And let there be was brought to the planet in him, in his person. So God says, let there be, and blows out light. There was no light, but there was death. There was mortality. There was a vacuum. And so God brings all of this in his being. So let us not forget how we started. We did not start in the light per se. The planet didn't. The planet started in darkness. Now, it had other lives. Obviously, we had other generations. But this latest one, God brought to the planet. So as we fast forward, come on down to, to the place where Cain is now the head and the fountainhead of all paganism, which means it started out in envy, started out in anger. It started out because those were the issues that he faced, started out in envy, started out in anger, started out in murder, and, uh, you know, killing his own. Where else were you going to go? And then celebrated or appeased through nature. Cain's religion was nature and is still nature. He's the founder of nature religions. <laughs> and truth be told, most of the religions are nature religions outside of Christianity or those that, um, that are monotheistic. But everything else is about nature. It's all about the tree, tree hugging. It's all about getting divination from the stump. It's all about flowers and oils and all of that. And there's nothing wrong with that. I like some aromatherapy, so let's be God. But it's still all about nature. It's not about the, the eternal life that, that begot us and the eternal life or the eternal world that will receive us when this body goes back to the dust. Now, the best way to guarantee the fall of a people is to cause them to look inward and not outward, to cause them to become obsessed with themselves and to literally um, inflame their five senses, all of the things that make them feel better. Everything is about your feelings now, not about your thoughts, not about your wisdom, not about your intelligence, your feelings. Everything is about that. Well, because feelings can be manipulated. They're fluid. So they can be manipulated. By the time feelings move their way up to the brain, they're hardwired, and they become an intellect. So it's not that easy to manipulate them. So we go, and the soul is now redefined because it's also reformatted. It's reformatted to serve darkness, to serve doom, and to serve death. And it's also reformatted to blind the mind to what is really its true heritage, and the truth of God. In addition, the soul is reformatted to make you have an aversion to the things of God. Why do you folks just to come up and meet a Christian? They don't even have a reason. They just cut up. Why? Them devils in them. That genetic code that they got from their paternal and maternal uh, parents' deities, that, it just cuts up. It, it recognizes them. Remember, those, those, come on here. Those devils recognize Jesus Christ. The devils and the pigs recognize him. We know you, thou son of the most high God. They know what God's light looks like, and they know what God's life feels like. And so when you get even a measure of it, a pinhead's worth, you're a problem. And so when, the, um, when he cast out the legion, the legion knew him. 
and, and they always knew. Devils knew he was standing there. They started trying to kill people before they, they got to Jesus. Some of you all had that. The devil tried to kill you before you got to Jesus because he would, he would rather have you dead than to have you serving the living God and them losing your host, your body, as a resident. As we forward, fast forward on a little bit, we started this out about yoga. Remember, Cain is the founder of all other religions. He's founder. When God created Israel, he drew them out, and Israel was drawn out of the world. He separated them, and he introduced to Israel eternity's way of life, righteousness, holiness, and, and of course, blood sacrifices and spiritualness. We'll talk about blood sacrifices in another episode. But so if Cain is the origin and his thing is nature, you cannot do yoga without nature. You've got to be in the right natural position. You've got to have the right oil, the right fragrance. You've got to have the little candles. All of that is nature worship. It's nature worship. Well, Dr. Price, what if I just do the stretches? I'm, I'm, I'm with you in stretches. But if your stretches are tied to that meditation, then those spirits that are waiting for your access points to open, they understand the stretches. You might be saying, oh, I feel good, I'm more limber. They're like, yeah, access point one, access point two, because that's what it's all about. If you are not saved, then it doesn't matter. But if you are saved and filled with the spirit of God, then God kicked out all of those things and shut those points down. So you going back to yoga reopens them. And if you reopen them, the, the Lord is not going to fight your will because if, if you won't win and he'll have to kill you. So if he still wants you on the planet, he's not going to fight your will. But what you're going to do now is you're going to put a block between your new creation spirit and your recontaminated soul. And you're going to impress, oppress your new co- creation spirit, and you're going to find out over a couple of years, <coughs> if it's a couple of years, that the longer you stay in it, the more you don't like the Bible, the more you don't like scriptures, the more you don't like Christians, the more you hate Christian music, the more you don't like prayer. Your, those spirits have been authorized by you to take over. And you, you think that it's light. But remember, the law of God is that if you allow those things to come back, they come back and bring seven more worse than themselves. And the end of that person is worse than the beginning. So you all might be just going, that's not happening to me. Live long enough. You're going to have diseases, and you're going to, you're going to, get, you're going to start growing with stuff. Your body is going to start breaking down because the, the law of the spirit of life and the spirit of life in Christ is blocked, so it can't get through to your soul to get through to your body. That's why you go and you say, well, God, but you, you're my healer. No, I was your healer. Then you chose another healer for vanity's sake. For the sake of vanity, you chose another healer, so let that God heal you. Well, that's not Bible, oh, but it is. God said, call on the gods that you replaced me with and see if they can heal you. So a lot of Christians are going to have diseases, you're going to be sick, you're going to have all kinds of, um, of uh, infections, you're going to have trauma, crises all over the place. You're going to, and then at that point, you're going to want to go to church. And you're going to want to go to church and you want to pray. You need to go to your yoga church. Because God is not mocked. What a man sows, that he reaps. Yoga is a religion. I don't care how much they try to tell you. It's a science. It's a religion. It began as a religion. Witchcraft is a religion. It began as a religion. Because before they became scientists, they were priests of other gods. 
And in the background, they're still priests of other gods. And they do prayers because if, they, if, they, if they're going to do prayers for you, who are they praying to? You know it's not God. God's not going to listen to a witch. A witch is empowered by his adversary. Why in the world would God grant Satan's prayer? See, a lot of this stuff is just dumb. And you just get caught up in the rhetoric because it sounds good, and it only sounds good because your pastors and your sermonizers and your church leaders have not given you enough of God's word to be able to make a good decision. You all didn't all want to do this. Not all of you wanted to say, well, let's see if we can stick it to God. That's not what you set out to do, but nobody gave you a reason to think differently at least to have a comparison. If you decide to go out there and do it after today, bless you or not, because I'm not going to bless that. So if you want to do that, that is your choice. But at least you can say, I examine both sides of the discussion, and I still choose to do this. You all have been deprived of the other side of the, of the discussion, so you've been making a decision on an unjust weight, an unjust scale. There's not a a true apostle in the planet. I don't care what nation, I don't care what your background is, there's not one true apostle in the planet that would endorse yoga. Not one. I promise you, if they they endorse it, they are not a true apostle. Because true apostle knows Acts 26, 18 is God's objective, to open their eyes and to turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God, that they may receive forgiveness of sins and an inheritance among those who are sanctified, sanctified by faith that is in me. That's an apostle. A true apostle knows that God has an enemy and that this battle is a God war. This is not a worship war. This is not a faith war. This is not a ritual war. This is not a devotion war. This is not an I believe war. This is a God war. It's a war that started in heaven and God has brought it to earth, took it to hell, and in a minute going to take it out. But you need to understand. You can talk about your church to pastors. To pastors, it's a my congregation over your congregation. It's my doctrine over your doctrine. It's my theology over your theology. That's earth. That's earth stuff. But you weren't created on earth. You were created in God's realm. And you were created in Christ Jesus for good work that you may walk in them. So you can talk about well, I, a Christian to be over, a Christian, a, a, a Christian who has undergone the new birth cannot be in yoga and not suffer severely for it. It will be a bitter suffering. And some apostle needs to tell you. Some prophet needs to say it. The prophets of old fought against other gods. They weren't just fighting against rituals. They weren't fighting fighting against whether or not you can have a a one-night stand. They were fighting against the devil that wants to have a one-night stand through your body. Because remember, we got these one-third angels that have to find a home. There's not a true apostle and prophet in the planet, I'm telling you, that will okay yoga in the body of Christ. Not one. That preacher who did it, that preacher who joined it, he was a priest of Satan, and you need to accept it. Because God does not sanction you welcoming other deities in your body. He said, glorify God in your body. Sanctify your body. Holy. That's what he said. God sanctified you, separated you from all those deities and their suggestions and their seductions. He sanctified you, and now you get up every morning all happy with your little plastic mat, 
running out to go and serve another God, doing your morning rituals. Don't even want to pray to the Lord Jesus Christ. You're doing your morning rituals to another God. But you can't wait to get off work to put on those little skimpy, grungy little pants and take your little mat and go with all the other heathens and decide that you're going to serve God. Are you kidding me? You are kidding me. You have got to be kidding. You've got to be kidding. You need to look up the origin of yoga. I'm going to do it on the show. I told you, I'm going to research. I got pictures and everything, color pictures. I didn't even know that the point of yoga was to get up to that pineal gland. So I didn't even know that. It, absolutely. You know, and I got a couple of, um, a couple of um, converts here that's going to give me a little bit of insight. I thank God for them. But I'm telling you that you cannot tell me that. You will never tell. And I told her, she said, well, I'm a Christian. I said, no, but you shouldn't be in yoga, baby. Because I don't do yoga. I don't do other gods. Yoga is idolatry. Accept it. You have opened yourself up, and you have deliberately sought another God. And everybody thinks when people turn from Christ, actually, and go to idolatry, they think there's this big, you know, cosmic thing. It is not. It's a still, small voice with a still, small decision that God himself lets breed and mushroom into a calamity. Because he knows the devil, the devil seeks you out. He knows the deity seeks you out. He knows them. He knows each one's power and each one's seduction. He knows their mind just like he knows yours. As a matter of fact, he's had more experience with their minds probably than yours. Because you haven't been around that long. Yoga, I want you to write it down. Yoga is idolatry. And if you're being taught by a yogi, then it's more than stretching involved. Your, if your instructor has had those trainings, they've also got the anointing to seduce you. They've got the anointing. They've got the endowment to see to it that you fall in love with that thing to the point that you literally put your deity for it. I don't care what anybody tells you. And you can look up the read it yourself. I researched it. It's not even hard. And y'all jumping in something you don't even look up. Well, my friend said it's fine. You don't know all the things your friends are not telling you. And you don't know what's growing in their bodies now that they have taken those things in. Because those devils bring viruses, they bring disease, they bring dysfunctions, they bring bacteria, they bring all kinds of unclean things. Because they are dead. Because the curse on their failed revolution is that they would die is mortality. Mortality came from the serpent. Woo. I had fun, Ashley. I see that. Did they have fun with me? Oh yes. I'm like, you need to quit your yoga class and give up your yoga britches. Is uh, acupuncture in the same Same thing. Acupuncture, all of those things began with rituals. But acupuncture doesn't call a deity into you per se. I don't believe in acupuncture. I will never do it. I won't do it because I feel like, I don't, A, I don't know enough about it. And B, I'm not sure. I'm happy about pins being stuck into me. I don't even want to get an injection. And C, if it's been used as a ritual, then I'm probably not going to mind. I like that question. Anything else? Yeah, so let's say somebody's in it. They've seen the light of Christ. want to come out. What should, they, what should they do and what should they expect? Well, I was in it, and I saw the light of Christ. And i got to tell you, first of all, when – I needed major deliverance. Whatever, I, whichever brain I had, it was strong. And so um, they wrestled to deliver my soul for about 30 minutes, at which point I shrieked because that thing was coming out of me. And it, it, it literally tore my spirit and tore my soul. 
for about maybe six months, my soul was wide open. And even though my body looked great, if you said, boom, my soul would go crazy. If you said, whatever you did, it didn't matter. It was open. Every night, those spirits would pound on me, and they would wake me up. And they would also try to morph into Christianity. Well, no, I'm Jesus. Well, no, I'm this. Well, I'm Moses, and I'm that. They tried to morph because their thing was, hey, I'm out. I need a home. Let's see if I can go back to my home that I left. And I fought them for about six months. And I mean, they were horrible. You don't realize how mean they are until they're on the outside of you. When they get on the outside of you, you get to see how vile and mean those spirits are. And they are hateful, and they want you dead. And so it took a while. What I did is I stayed in my Bible because that was the one thing I hated. I stayed in my Bible day and night. I read the word. I studied the word. I listened to the word. I stayed in church. I stayed where I felt I was protected. And so as long as I stayed in God's order of protection, I was fine. And then it was right after that that I realized all of the other occultic arts that I had fallen into didn't even realize and I started finding paraphernalia here and this and that and other because they come as a package. They may show up. The salesperson, I like about a sales, you meet one person. But the buy, you get, all, you get the whole institution, and you don't even realize it. So I was there, and it took a long time. When I say a long time, I mean a long time. I mean because I had reached that place. And ironically, I wasn't trying that's the joke. I wasn't even trying. I was just trying to feel good. I was trying to get rid of headaches. I was trying to get rid of fatigue. I was not trying to get into some sort of religious or spiritual encounter or, or grit, but I ended up that place. And once you open to others, you don't find a problem with the rest. Once you open to yoga, you don't find a problem with the rest. You then begin to understand this astrology. You begin to understand palm reading. You begin to understand witchcraft. You begin to understand and appreciate magic. You you begin to understand and sympathize with wizards because it's a stair step. So it's kind of like marijuana is the lifestyle. Exactly. People come to the door because it's soft, but Mm -hmm. it's a lot of well, marijuana is a drug addiction appetizer. So, you know, when you go into a restaurant, you want an appetizer before the, the, all the other courses come. Mar- marijuana is a drug addiction appetizer. And if a person is not doing anything significant in life, it will never, ever be a problem because if you're just going to stay home and stay high. But if you're trying to make something happen in life or trying to make something happen in Christ, it's going to be a problem. You had a comment for me, huh? Okay, she's looking for. Wait, Julia said that acupuncture is a type of ritual. She said she had to do it in a neuromuscular massage therapy. Uh huh. Okay, so it is a type of ritual. And if it's a ritual, ritual, you need to trace back its deity. Go find out its ancient origins and its spiritual origins so you understand what that deity is. See, one of the things that, that has been really perpetrated on the people of God is that you have been uh, given rituals, you've been given practices, you've been given faith without the deities. The deities are working in your soul anonymously. And they've chosen anonymity because they know that if you can find, if you know their name and you can find out about them, then you can research them and know what their purpose really is in your life. Come on up here, prophet. Pilates. What about Pilates? 
Now, I don't know a lot about Pilates, but they say it's a mixture of yoga and something else. Is it? I don't know. Hey, somebody, tell us, talk, talk to us about Pilates. Ray Tilly, if you're out there or some of the other ones, talk to us about Pilates. I've never really st- dealt with it. I feel like if you got to wear yoga clothes to do it, there's a problem. Yeah. You know. And I mean, and, and this whole thing with women with these yoga, I said, but you have to know that's a devil because it's making you sleazy and unclean. You have to wear a sexual garment. To do the exercise, and then you run to the store with your sexual garment to throw, show off your behind. I think a lot of people want to be sleepy and sexy, and now this is like the but that's a fertility undercover deity. covert way to get away with it. But that's an undercover that's an undercover deity. Yeah. See, because that's a fertility god. You understand that right now America is caught in the grip of fertility devils of idolatry. You have to recognize that these are the gods that are taking over the seat of authority, which is why you can't get people to hear, which is why you can say, you can have, come on in, Prophet, you can have abortion, and you can have people like Pelosi, and you can have people like um, the, uh, Clinton, and, and all of them not care about babies' heads being ripped apart, because to them, they don't see it as a suffering victim. They see it as a human sacrifice. And because they see it as a human sacrifice, they can't have compassion because it's utilitarian to them. Well, thank you for that. Did you like that answer? Mm-hmm. Well, welcome, Missy. How are you doing? Good. Good. Oh, you got some stuff for me, don't you? <laughs> you got stuff for me. <laughs> I did. We're going to let you go first because you know her. She takes up everything. <laughs> uh, she always I up. don't deny. <laughs> she, I don't deny. she always brings up so many good things. Uh, really, really powerful today. Uh, let's see. You talked about apostasy first. Um, of course, you know, we're familiar a little bit with apostasy from the scriptures, but I love how you talked about its connection with defection. Mm-hmm. Um, you talked about how it, it's defecting from your faith and your vow. Yeah. I thought that was really interesting. And, and, and tying it to the fact that, you know, in order for you to come out of one culture legally, mm-hmm. you have to denounce that culture and completely take on another one. Exactly. I think we think of God as, as a hodgepodge that we can, like, go in and out of God. So I thought that was good. I, mm-hmm. I think that that's what we're learning in culture right now, that you can go in and out of God, that you can mix in with other things. But only pastors can do that. The only that's a pastoral um, paradigm. That is not an apostle's paradigm because apostles are like you're part of the nation of Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. That is your nationality, mm-hmm. and so you're you're part of the nationhood. The prophet is about the nationhood. The pastor is about congregation. And so if it's going to you know we just went to a meeting, one of the values of, of summits here, where they talked about how pastors are like, oh yeah, I know you're right, but I'm never going to say it. I'm never going to teach it because I don't want my seats empty. Yes. Pastors are telling, and I'm not bringing you in my church because I don't want my people to know that. Can you imagine your pastors determining your destiny in hell? Your pastors decreeing that you will uh, uh, displease God, that you will pervert and subvert. Your pastors are subversive. Because they won't, uh-uh, we don't talk about that here. We don't preach that here. Your pastors are subversive. That's a pastor mindset. And it's a pastor's mm-hmm. mind that will tell you, well, you, as long as you stay in my church, you're in Christ. Yeah. Because yeah, that's the concept, isn't it? Yes. As long as you stay in, in my church, then you are safe in Christ. And meanwhile, you're living like the devil and don't know it, but you're being denied the second half of the story, and thus you're being shut out of the opportunity for repentance and getting it right with God. Why do I do this? Because this is in the church. This is the Christ. 
And so I give you that. So I, 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 that's a passion. That's a passion for position and perspective, and it's all incentive-based. It's all based on their keeping their buildings, keeping your tithes coming in, and you are, they're making you pay for your future destiny in hell. Mm-hmm. Pastors are doing that. <laughs> well, I love that. That goes with what you talked about before in a previous qualified show about, you know, the, the pastoral mantle mm-hmm. is to segregate. It, it, that's what the mantle is for. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's what we have. So that's essentially then pastors are congregational and apostles and prophets are national. National. Well, and, and remember, apostles did not have congregations when they were making Christians. Mm. That came later as Christianity grew and flourished, and then we entered, and, and each one of them uh, let, emerged from their being the fivefold. But pastors don't have it. We don't have a, an epistle from the pastor of. There are no pastoral epistles that God put in his own eternal word. Why? Because he understands the nature of a pastor. And this is not every pastor. So please don't go bobbing your, you know, because some of you all are under very good pastors who definitely love the Lord Jesus Christ. But even those pastors know what's wrong with piercings, know what's wrong with tattoos, know what's wrong with, with, uh, 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 what do you call it, Uh, adultery and and fornication. They know. Now, but that pastor that tells you God understands, that's a lying pastor. That pastor that tells you, you know, um, the blood of Jesus took care of all of that, that's a lying pastor. And that pastor is lying to you because they want your money and they want you in those seats. And they need you in those seats because otherwise, without a congregation, they're not shepherds. Yep. Wait, come on. We all went to the movie Wakanda. What's the movie? Black Panther. Black Panther. Wakanda. You know, everybody was looking for Wakanda. Wakanda. Yeah, Wakanda. 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 If tattoo is pagan, then how can it be Christ? And the, I, I love that movie because it disproved all of your lying doctrine. And it shows you that they always got an additional tattoo when they took on another God or they took on, they had another conquest. All of those piercings. So if that's, if that's pagan and if that's not Jesus Christ, why is it you sitting up in Christ looking like them? That movie blew your theology out the window because mm. you turned pagan. And you are a pagan preacher. You're a pagan apostle. You're a pagan prophet. You are a pagan evangelist. That's a pagan thing. And you push, I don't care. You, and every time you put it on, that means you have another meeting. See, nobody will tell you. I'm going to tell you. That means you went and got another tattoo because you had another meeting with your new gods. Woo! And you are no longer monotheistic. You are polytheistic in your body and in your flesh. You, you cannot have a movie like that where all of those people are looking exactly the way you look in church on Sunday morning and say you're a Christian. That's not God. I don't care. Well, because what your address is the tattooing period, because saints will say, it's what you tattoo, correct? Not that it is a tattoo. Well, you, if, if you got a right God on your body, that's because you don't have him in your soul. Because if he's in your soul, he's going to tell you, don't write me on your flesh. Live me from your heart. So if you got a right God on your body, that's because you don't have a relationship with him in your soul. You and God are estranged. Because if God didn't stop you, then you need to wonder why he didn't stop you from something that he hates. 
another company. Can I say? All right. Hey, how are y'all doing out there? If you work for another company and a new idea came up, the first thing you would do is what? Look it up. Is this in the handbook? Is this in the law? Is this in the book? You would look it up. But when it comes to God, it's presumption. And it's presumption because it's, it's promoted by idolatry. There is no way you can scar your body in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and say the Holy Ghost told you to do it. You can't do that because the Holy Ghost, anybody ready? Authored this. This is authored by the Holy Ghost, all of it. And that whole Old Testament, New Testament, God has no Old Testament, New Testament. God has what he said to one nation and then what he said to other than all nations. I love that part. Don't you love that part? I get excited about that because in the truth, that God is like, well, I haven't changed. I'm the Lord. I changed mine. Mm-hmm. And if he hasn't changed, the only difference is what he bound one nation to, he now is spreading to all nations. You now, All nations get a chance to come out of idolatry. Mm-hmm. All nations get a chance to take on a new God. All nations get a chance to get born again. That wasn't there before. But now all nations can do it. So in God's mind, what I didn't like for one nation, I did not fall in love with for all nations. Oh, well. So that's, let's deal with that. Now, let's talk about preference. You know, the reason abortion is still in a, 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 a legal is why? Preference. Hmm. Isn't it? I prefer not to have a kid. Mm-hmm. I prefer to have sex. I just prefer to have a kid. So it's my body, and I can do what I want, even kill my feet. Preference. God has no preference. And when, even though we think we got a lot of preferences in America, do we? Yeah, a lot of laws in our Constitution that tell us that we don't have that much preference at all. <laughs> it sounds good, though. Doesn't it feel good? Yes. <laughs> it's just nice. so nice. So the answer to this is that you are not born again to change Christianity. You're born again to become a part of its population and to live under its king. You don't go into another country and decide you're going to change the laws. They will let you know. Okay? They don't want you to change their laws. <laughs> matter of fact, we, we're the most lax country I can think of. And they're going to start with you Americans. Just because. Need to understand. Uh, I was in your snotty, spoiled Americans. Oh, come on. Let's act like they really don't like us. Come right. on. But, but, but you don't change. If you were born again, you are part of a nation. And your congregational rules are subordinate to that. So God says you shall not make cuttings in your flesh for another God. He told you what his problem was. Other gods. What is God's number one issue? Other gods. So, and that means other gods' characters, other gods' preferences, mm-hmm. other gods' liberties, other gods' laws. So that, his issue is other gods. Acts twenty six eighteen. Other gods. Mm-hmm. And so, instead of trying to figure out what is right or wrong according to your pastor, you need to try to figure out what God is seducing you to do what. Because I think that's where it goes. I mean, you want to give her a shot? I guess. Let's give her a shot. Well, what's this here on this table down here? Okay, well, that was talking about how... Oh, you didn't need to deal with this. Yeah, well, please. <laughs> <laughs> you're not done. You're not done. <laughs> get back. Well, this was the yoga piece on how it's idolatry, a violation of the commandment, which you then picked up at the end, talking about uh, yoga can't be done without nature, that it's nature worship, so those tie together. You also talked about how earth cannot define what's right or wrong beyond what God's spirit reveals. I think that's really interesting. I think because we are dealing with a time in Christianity where we are really grasping for 
things that are in the temporal mm-hmm. to dictate what our spiritual existence is based on. So if you look at a lot of Christian teachings right now, we're pulling a lot from our experience. So our experience is dictating our relationship with God or, or how we relate to him, mm-hmm. which is why the, the laws of relationship are changing in Christianity now, like what's acceptable for how we worship, what's acceptable for for how we present ourselves to God is largely right now dictated by what our experience Mm -hmm. is today, not on any kind of, you know, age-old standard. You know, it's being changed as we evolve, so Mm -hmm. to speak, as Christians. So I thought that was interesting that you spoke to that today. Well, we have to recognize, again, going back to the beginning, and you want to share, 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 and guess what else I need you to do? Share, 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 share. Share this with your friends, and please share it with your preachers, share it with your pastors, and, 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 and certainly share it with your yoga fanatics. <laughs> well, I, don't, I, have to, I have to speak to that just a little bit because I, I had someone in, in my life that I, I tried to address about the yoga issue. And, and as you're speaking, you know, you, even those of you guys are listening, you may assume that people are just completely unaware. But actually the sad reality is that people are very aware. Mm-hmm. But they have, at least the person I connected with, her belief, her mindset on this was, I hear what you're saying, but I don't believe you. I don't believe that that's true. I don't believe that God cares about it the way you're saying. I don't believe that what I'm doing is an offense to him, and I don't believe that what I'm doing in the way that I am practicing yoga is uh, paganistic or is some kind of, um, uh, of idol worship mm-hmm. to God. I am practicing yoga for these reasons, and I don't believe what you're saying mm-hmm. to me about its connections. In other words, what I was told, I don't care about its ancient connections. Mm-hmm. I practice yoga for these reasons today, and my reasons mm-hmm. are what justify the practice. Well, I want to know the basis of, the, of your belief, because it still comes down. If you don't believe, mm-hmm. then I need to know the basis of your belief. First of all, all of this talk about God is not the, is not the deciding factor. It's nice for you to talk about God and God this and God that, but the Bible says that Jesus Christ, the name of Jesus, is the rock of offense. It's the stumbling stone. So if this man came and said he cast out the God of this world, that he cast out the princes of this world, all of which are originators of, 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 of all these pagan diseases and all of them being the deities of these particular rituals and worship, then I need, to tell, I need you to tell me what you base it on because clearly Jesus is not in you. Now, you may believe in God, but you don't believe in Jesus Christ. You don't even like him because you're not willing to find out if what you're doing is offensive to him. See, they don't, oh, don't give me that. I'm like, but you don't like the God. You don't like Jesus. That's why you don't, don't want to believe it. You don't want to know you're wrong because your vanity is more important than your salvation if you have it. There's no way, I'm telling you, I'm, I'm, if I could, I'd take a survey. There's no way somebody filled with the Holy Ghost, born again, would practice yoga. That would not, that cannot happen because the spirit of God in them will be so grieved and he'll start provoking and he'll start messing with you. And see, real saints will tell you what God will do. False saints won't because they can't. And you're a false Christian. You know, Jesus said he was going to have a lot of imposters. Did he not say that? He said, there's going to be many false Christs that are going to come in my name and say, I am the Christ. Did the man tell you that Jesus said And he wrote that. So you think Jesus is surprised that you're bound by a false Christianity? He's not surprised. He expected it. And he said, now, don't follow them. If they tell you this, and if they tell you that, don't follow them. Because this is how you're going to know that they are an imposter. We have not, we talk about false gods all day long, don't we? We, talk about, we do not talk about false Christ. And thus, 
false Christianity. Well, I'm having fun today. I didn't know what I was going to say. I got up this morning and said, God, I don't know what I'm going to say. I, really. I was like, woo, Jesus. I said, I don't know what I'm going to talk about. I've been begging on the way, honey, what you going to tell me? He didn't tell me nothing. But you know, God does it. He waits not getting his feet and then he cuts up. You're next. Well, a lot of how we got here, too, was the unconditional love of Christ. Oh, yeah. I don't think we should leave this episode without addressing <laughs> Without you addressing it. Yeah, I was going to say, who's going to address That's a really big excuse that people first have been taught mm-hmm. and then used. How we do all this? But the love of Christ is unconditional. So How are we doing? Are we running out of time? Okay, because I've got a lot to say about this unconditional. Okay, I've got a lot to say about that. I don't know. But I've got a lot to say about that. But let me just tell you this. <clears throat> we did a They want to change their nation. That's the only reason you let it go. When you go to your job, you have a manual. You can go to your job, and your job says you can, you'll get this job, but my, my, our cousin better never see your tattoos. And you know what you're going to do? You're going to cover them up. But when it comes to church, because Jesus is not real, because he can't be any realer than your knowledge of this, because God talks this. I know you think he talks your pastor's sermon and all of that. No, God talks this. And he speaks what he wants. He wrote it. Uh, I learned when I was writing about something before, and it said kings write their government if they must govern from afar. And in order for them to assure uniformity, they write it out. And so if God wrote this from afar, he expected us to be brought into it, not to alter it. God's not going to give you any amendments because this thing was governing heaven long before it governed us. You know, there are devils in hell before humans went there. And they went to hell for the very stuff we're doing. So God can't let you skip hell because he already put devils there for that. He can't, it's kind of like trying to empty, when they want to talk about emptying out Guantan- Guantanamo Bay, it's like, well, huh? mm, no, we don't want to <laughs> unleash them all. Now feed them, clean them up, keep them safe, don't hurt them, but keep them down. God would have to unleash and empty out heaven and empty out hell that served him in heaven to keep you from going to hell for the very things he incarcerated those spirits for. That's a hard place, but it's real. So you can talk all day long because, you know, you got, I told you two-thirds of your brain is, is, is a blind, block, dead, dog. One-third of you is body, and it's all contaminated by sin. I mean, these are real facts. So when you start talking about what God likes or doesn't like, what God will or will not do, you better rest assured that heaven did not, I mean, hell did not originate on earth. Heaven originated in God's world, and spirits were shifted. And he said he got angels that, what did he say, chained under the earth and got angels? Well, they they were tried, and they were condemned, and they were sentenced. What makes you think we who are little lower than the angels, we were made a little lower than the angels. What makes you think that just because you say you did it because God loves you, that they didn't? 
See, we don't teach you this any longer. We, we, we give you those, well, you know, God just loves you. God loves you and hates sin. I don't care what it is. And if the sin is in the package, the package is going in the garbage. Is it true? You buy it. I mean, come on here. You can sit there. You buy this wonderful, wonderful package of food. The labeling is great. Isn't it great? I mean, it's wonderful. It's got commercials. Everybody says this is special. You open it up, and it's contaminated. Do you care about the package? No. The package goes with the contaminated product and vice versa. What we have lacked over the years is wisdom. See, we've had the word, and we've had the works, but wisdom is what you apply to God's word that gives you the practical application of his perpetual governance and his perpetual perspectives on life. It's wisdom. Wisdom is the principal thing, and we don't talk wisdom. We quote scripture, and then we extrapolate it the way our present situation we will sling scripture before or just throw it away. You know, when they tell me about all of the pastors, said the pastors did not write the Bible. Apostles wrote the Bible. Prophets wrote the Bible. Pastors did not. Now, God picked and chose what he wanted. And my favorite, if you want to write this down, because I know y'all just love it. Y'all love them, and then we get a hit. We get a little slap. Ah. How's that? Warm you up? Yes. yes. You know, because, wait, hold on. I haven't given you something. Wait, hold on. Yay. I've been giving you that in a couple of weeks. Months. <laughs> but I'm going to tell you something. Jesus Christ, I don't care what anybody says. This, this is Jesus Christ himself, you know. Love this man. He's a sugar pie Jesus. He's a honey. Yum, yum. Isn't he wonderful? I tell him that every morning. Luke 44. Now, I want to go before that because, you know, jumping in, Luke 24, 44. 24. Here's 24. 24. You know, these pages are not my friend, Ashley. Uh-oh. Maybe it is my friend. <laughs> and still, on the next page. 23. 44, 44? Yeah, but I wanted to get this one. Okay. Now, the, Jesus Christ has arisen. He's, he's arisen from the dead. He's, he's done everything he said. And... You still folk are like, this cannot be. <laughs> and so he says, 2434, saying, the Lord is risen indeed and hath appeared to Simon. And they told what things were done in the way and how he was known of them in the breaking of bread. Now, but I want to go to 32. Let me just throw 32 in there because this is just a, pa- a chapter that everybody should know. So 31, it says, Jesus took bread and he broke it and he said, and their eyes were open and they knew him and he vanished out of their sight. So until you got, got the bread of life, you don't know Jesus. So what are you talking about? I don't even know. Anyway, and they, and they said to one another, did not our hearts burn within us while he talked with us by the way and while he opened to us the scriptures? I don't care what anybody tells you. Jesus Christ has got to open the scriptures to you. Otherwise, it's just print. It's just print. And so they went on. I want to jump down. And they said, um, verse 36, and as they thus spake, Jesus himself stood in the midst of them and said unto them, peace be unto you. Of course, they were terrified, you know, because, well, you know, we show up. We're like, I bind you, Jesus. Anyway. (laughs) Okay. And so verse 38, and he said unto them, why are you troubled and why do thoughts arise in your heart? So this man is already piercing their soul. And they said, he told them who they are, 
And, again, I like Jesus. I'm, I think I'm going to have to really kind of check into why he likes his bread thing. But anyway, so we're down, and he, verse 42, and he gave them a piece of boiled fish and a honeycomb. And he took it and did eat before them. Because he wanted them to know, I'm not a spirit. I'm not an angel. I am what I said I am. I'm you and my father fused. Verse 44, and he said unto them, these are the words which I spake unto you while I was yet with you, that all things must be fulfilled which are written in the law of Moses and in the prophets and in the Psalms concerning me. Then opened he their understanding that they might understand the scripture. And he said, I want you to hear this, 44, this is one of the things that God gave me. He said, I don't care about their translations. I canonize my own Bible. He canonized his scripture. I don't care about all that extra stuff. That, well, that's fine. He said, but when, I'm talking about what I offer. Mm-hmm. Come on, dude. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I should hit something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm not sure which one I want to hit. <laughs> I'm stuck. <laughs> How about that? Okay. You all ought to be excited. You got a lot of slap talk today. Okay? <laughs> so you all ought to be very excited. But Jesus, any good leader, is going to establish their constitution. He said, the law of Moses. Now, we keep saying, well, no, mm-mm, we shouldn't have the law. The law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms, as far as God's concerned, these are the core elements, the three major divisions of his Bible. And so I keep, because when people tell me that, well, you know, no, no, do you know the golden rule is by the law and the prophets? The golden rule that we just, we just, put, we just, it's everywhere. So popular. Do unto others as you would have them. That was prophets and the law. And I can go on and on again. The prophets have their own bank of scriptures, their own body of scriptures, and, and then the time. So Jesus told us what we could trust. Yeah. To be of his officer. Mm-hmm. Now we can add some other stuff. You know, we kind of put that support for stuff in it. But this man said, This is me. My kingdom, my blood, my life, my cross, I did it, it's mine. So we can have all of these debates, but I need you to tell me that we can have, you can add that, but Jesus said what he authored and what he governs us by are those three. But you know, the law is done away with. No, the rituals are. The law still in there. Y'all still don't want you sleeping with your neighbor's wife. Come on here. He ain't changed. He's still like, no, you're not going to get that next door orgy. That's not going to happen. He still doesn't want you lying on anybody. He still doesn't want children beating up their parents. That's why he called it the law of life. Because he's not changed. I'll say, are you kidding me? He's still my problem. He still doesn't want you to have 5,000 deities on his altar. He hasn't changed. God's really, you know, God's like stuff. He's talking about stuff in a place. Jesus Christ is saying yesterday, today, and forever. We can talk about that. How are we doing? So do we have time to talk about something on here? Oh, good. So what else you got? Because I know you got some stuff. Because this one, we're going to give you all your time. And this is the day I have to step out. I know. Business. Yes, you did. And you Man, did well. Oh, yeah, I was going. Share, share, share. Share, share, share. Tell your friends. You can tell them. And listen, tell them. You don't care whether they like it or not. It's something that, if they want something to fuss about, just share it in the name of fussing. Okay, you want something to criticize? <laughs> share it in the name of criticism. Whatever it takes, let's get Do this it. out here. Share, 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 share. Amen, amen, amen. I think it's uh, definitely worth noting how you talked about deities are working in your soul anonymous. And did you see this in class on Tuesday? 
maybe. No, I'm sorry. That was Chief last night. Look, I'm rolling rolling everybody together. Mm -hmm. How the subtleties of demonic manifestation, we're expecting the frothing in the mouth, people rolling on the floor, doing all those other things, and not noticing the subtle ways Mm -hmm. that we're demonically influenced. And then you did talk about a biblical psychology, how demons do assist in your upbringing. Oh, yeah, demons raise you because they belong in your family tree. That's what Adam gave. He gave them that power. Remember, the sons of God looked at the daughters of men, so they came down from whatever their perch was. Because God obviously told them to go someplace else when he was renovating the planet. <laughs> so when, whatever, and they came down and reproduced themselves. Mm-hmm. So they don't just have a, a, uh, a personal influence over you. They have a genetic one. You're coded with the law of sin and death. You're coded with the, the, the doctrines of devils. We don't like it, but it's real. I know we get so upset because, you know, most, most, most Christians, I mean, you don't tell me I have demons. Yes, you do. Everybody does. The same family tree. That's why you must be born again. <laughs> and when you get born again, you get them out of your spirit, you get them out of your heart, but you still got to purge them from your soul because they, they, have been, they were given control of the planet, and they were given control of human bodies. We don't want to think that way, but it's real. Jesus, when he said, now is the God of this world cast out, he was talking about the spirit realm. He wasn't talking about the, the world being ending. He said he's cast out. What is he cast out? He's not cast out of the planet. He still has quite a bit of usefulness to the Almighty, but he is cast out of the human soul. He can now, God can now reverse Eden, and he can step back in us via the Holy Ghost in the new creation. You know, part of why you all are confused. I, I, I'm, I'm not confused about this. I love this man. He's my sugar. I told him all the time, Jesus, he's my sugar. I do. He is my sugar. He, he knows it. And trust me, when I cut up, he let me know, uh-uh, you don't treat me like that. <laughs> not you. Just like somebody close. He told me, didn't he say that? He said, he said when you close, I'll be like, what I say to you when you cut up? Uh-uh, not you. He said, I can take that from a lot of people. But not you. And so, <clears throat> and I care about God. I care about God's win. I care about his inheritance. I care about what Jesus gave his life blood for. The average Christian does not know that they are Jesus' inheritance. You're not liberty. You're not free. You've been bought with a price. You don't have a right to make a decision about what you eat for breakfast in the morning. You are not free. You are God's inheritance to his son. You are God's reward to Jesus Christ for Calvary. For Taking up, getting up off of his throne of sovereignty for, 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 for a moment, temporarily, literally interrupting his reign as Yahweh to become Yeshua. You don't have a right. What you have a duty to is gratitude and obedience. So there are no rights. We, that's what I mean. Pastors will tell you that. Elders will tell you that, all that. But in the end, we are Christ's inheritance. And your inheritance does not get up and tell you how it's going to be able. No, Your inheritance said, well, okay, so I'm going to lay here until you're ready to do a little something. So you have, we have to switch that. You are not your own. You've been bought with a price. You don't get a right to say, if you are born again, you're bought with a price. And if you're not born again, you need to get saved. And, and, and the least of your salvations are your tattoos and yoga. Those are the least of your issues. Because your soul must be saved. Your, you must be born from above. You must be born from the God of all creation. You must be. You don't get a shot about that. You don't go back into heaven because you did good deeds. You go in there because you have the equipment yeah. of righteousness to let you in. Very true. 
Yeah, you know, wait, hold on. I, I'm so excited. I, you know what? I didn't, I'm glad I didn't know what I was going to say. If I had a plan, it couldn't be. <laughs> unscripted. Ooh, unscripted and bound. I am loose. So I need you. <laughs> you know, when we talk about this, we ministers answer you as if somehow or another your democratic libertinism trumps God's eternal righteousness. And it doesn't. If, if that's the case, let me tell you something. None of us would get old. If we were, I mean, because if that was, that's that, not, we wouldn't get old. I'm telling you, everybody would hit that magic number and say, I'm staying here forever, amen. But you know what? You can't beat the law of sin and death. You can't even beat your frailties and human, humanity. And so we have, to, we have to get this right for God because we are his inheritance. Tell your friends, we are God's inheritance. We are not God's supervisors. We're not his students. We're not experts in eternal life. We're not experts in eternal things. We are not his experts. We are his people. We are his reward. And I love that. You know, and so, and, but I'll tell you something. If we ever get that right, the church is going to flourish again like never before. Because right now you're assaulting your king. Right now you're antagonizing your king. Right now you're, you're uh, blaspheming and profaning him. Why? Because his ways don't fit the ways of the world, and you really are attuned to the worldly way. Mm-hmm. And you're attuned to it because it's all you know. You're attuned to it because it's what you were born into. That's why you have to be born again. So this new birth thing is what God hammered into me. When I first got saved, he said, I need you to understand why there are people who feel like their deeds and works should let them in my world, but I can't receive them. Because they do not. Do you realize that if God doesn't put the new, the new spirit, the new heart, and you confirm your soul, if God doesn't do that, you don't qualify for the new body when he gets ready to change us in the twinkling of an eye because that new body is useless on that dead mortal thing? You see, because we've over-spiritualized it, we've never looked at the technique and the technology. But there's a technology to what God is doing. There are techniques to what God is doing. There are parameters that go with those te- techniques and technologies. Parameters. Hmm. The technology of the new birth. Yeah, you like that one, don't you? Yeah, that yeah. changed my life. <laughs> and still. Still. It's changing. Yeah. Glory to glory. Yeah, well, in the beginning, will you outline how the soul is not a dot in the brain? Yeah. Mm-mm. It isn't. I mean, we, I have a friend um, that I grew up with. She's a pastor in Ohio now, and she was talking about how in their church they have a whole department devoted to soul restoration mm-hmm. and healing. And she said, well, because so much, everything is spirit, 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 spirit. As Christians, it's just our spirits that our souls are wrecked. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And people don't even know how to articulate the problem that they're going through, So, uh, which we discuss in Quite detail in biblical psychology. Yeah, we <laughs> and we're still like, what? <laughs> because when you learn that kind of material and it's coming against, I think there's a difference between learning something new for the first time, mm-hmm. one type of learning experience, and then learning something that completely contradicts what you've been taught your whole life. Yeah, that's hard. And so a lot of times when people enter into training or this kind of material, they'll say, oh my goodness, it's so hard. It's actually not hard. Mm-hmm. What's hard is how it feels hitting your head of error yeah. and trying to reconcile. Are you telling me I have 30 years of salvation believing this? It is not right. And Did it's, you remember our class and that it's night? Right here. Which night? <laughs> <laughs> so many. And it's right here in Scripture the whole time in front of my face, and it's highlighted in my Bible with three different colors, mm-hmm. and I have it circled and underlined. 
and I never saw it. Exactly. Exactly. And you never saw it because you read your Bible the way it's preached. Yeah. And God has to separate you mm-hmm. and isolate you to read it the way he wrote it. And when you do, it is agonizing. You don't realize that there's a lot. You scan your Bible, there's a lot of fill in the blanks. You just fill it in with what your pastor said. If you run across a word that doesn't make sense, you fill it in with what your library tells you. But you don't. But if you want, and I put a challenge out to you, if you want to become like Christ, you're going to have to deal with Christ. Because the Holy Ghost is not going to bring all of that extra stuff into the meat. You know, the Holy Ghost is like, oh, no, we don't need that. You know? He's going to bring you Jesus Christ because Jesus said that the Holy Spirit takes of what is his. He shows it to us. We assume, we actually ascribe our pastors and our teachers' uh, teachings to the Holy Spirit. Yeah. We just assume that because we assume that they study. You assume that. Now, let me tell you something. You assume they study. You assume that they study with your diligence. For example, we, when we were in that event, we, you, most of us are not willing to think that millions and millions and millions of church leaders literally meant to evict Jesus Correct. or to distort him. We don't, we're not willing, but yet the institution speaks for itself. You're talking about this man's church believes in almost everything but him. When you look at the Bonner, what is it, the Bonner, Bonner, Bonner uh, statistics. statistics, these people wrenched this man's church from his grip. X amount of millions of Christians don't believe Jesus actually was born of a virgin. X amount of million people who don't believe that Jesus came in the flesh, don't believe that Jesus was God, don't believe in the new birth, don't believe in the Bible. You're talking about this has been on your watch and that's the fruit you're giving this man? That is horrible. This on your watch, this man lost his church on the pastor's watch. He lost his church, and they're waiting for him to lose some more. No, we're not letting that in. We're not preaching that. That's not all. Because people won't like us. Want to bet? Yeah. Trust me. He will, he's going to show himself the head of the flock. And when he does, he's going. you're going to stand up there one day, and you're going to preach the chairs. As surely mm-hmm. as Jesus is the son of the living God, he's going to move his body. He's just waiting for people to get ready for him to shift, to shift them over. Think about it. How many mausoleums we got? Beautiful, ornate buildings. No longer a church. Yeah. What happened? Jesus moved his body. See, the, the Bible said you should know them by their fruits. The man lost his church government. If we didn't get Donald Trump, we still would be, are you kidding? We wouldn't even be America. Forget being the church. So they were ready to do us in. God had to raise up. He said my right arm had to give me victory. I got deliverance with my own right arm because we, people don't know them. You're talking about millions and millions of Christians don't know their Savior, don't know Bible, don't know God, don't even know that there be anything as a Holy Ghost. Don't understand. Millions of Christians, and they get up and they decide, I'm not going to church, I'm going to breakfast. I'm not going to church, I'm going to the God because it's not interesting, mm-hmm. because it's boring, because it's how many ways can you make Jesus love you enticing and intriguing? You know, the Lord loves you. 
and he does, half of you all don't even know why he had to shed his blood. You don't know why he needed 39 stripes instead of 23. You don't know why he had to get on a wooden cross because he could have just been stoned to death. Why wasn't he stoned to death? Every time they tried to stone him, they couldn't kill him. But you don't know that. You don't know why Jesus had to spend three days and three nights in the heart of the earth and why he likened himself to Jonah in the well's belly. You don't know why the man had to go to hell and preach to the eight souls that did not have a covenant. You don't know how he emptied out Abraham's bosom. You don't know how he kept the, the, the one God who loved him alive in Abraham's bosom and still keeps the rest of those fears in hell. You don't know why he is calling us to be holy. You don't even understand holiness. You think it's all about your attire. You don't understand. You don't understand what human liberty does to God's righteousness. You don't have a clue. So you're talking what you don't know. You don't even know how he's going to get you out of here. You don't know how he's going to get his church out of here. It just sounds so cute. Well, we're just all going to be trained, and then, oh, we'll all be with the Lord. No, no, no. There's a technology to it. He's asking you to live a certain way, and he's calling righteousness more than morality. It's not about morality. God's not interested in your morality. He's interested in his righteousness because that's what he wants to bring back home. You don't know what those angels feel when they have to fight for us. You have no idea what God lived when he had to wake up one day and find the Carrot tearing up his world. You don't know. And until you know, we can't talk. Because we're talking apples and oranges. Because you sat there and listened to all of those little rosy stories. You never cared about God's experience with humanity. It was, it's always been about humanity's experience with God. Well, what was the creator's experience with that? What was it like when he woke up one day and found darkness running through his people? What did he have to do? What was it like when his civilization had to say, most high, ah, what happened? What was it like when he started seeing things like death, brutality, and abuse running through his pristine creation? You don't know. And that's why you can't make choices for God, because you are an intelligent being. You are intelligent you're logical, and we have not given you the logic or the intelligence. We gave you the sentiment, and you're running on a sentimental relationship with a God who has to keep creation, with a God who has to say, as he said in, in uh, Ephesians uh, 3.10, who has to show those principalities and powers in the heavenly places that he had it together, that he wasn't losing control, that Satan, Lucifer's army was not taking over. He had to do that. You keep thinking he's a lone ranger, and he's not. You keep thinking he's a sole proprietor. He's not. You keep thinking he's an elected official. He's not. He's God of all creation, and everything that exists came out of him. And when he had to go through that, I was thinking about, I wrote it in my book, Before the God, I thought how horrible experience that must have been for him. How horrible it must have been for him to take to see this chariot running through converting revolutions and all kinds of things that he never had to deal with, and he's got to keep his people believing in him. The two-thirds are believing while the one-third are plotting. You have no idea. You're not interested in the God experience because you're too busy interested in your own. So, no, you don't know. I got to hit something. Hit. Hit, bang. Hit something. You get to hit something, you know, it's the legislature. People ask me, why do you stay the way you are? Because I'm not living in the human experience. Man. I'm living in the creator's experience. Because when it's all said and done, this is his story. It's not ours. We are his handiwork. He's not ours. 
and he has a host of angels and a host of citizens working day and night to make sure that he can salvage, that's what salvation means, salvage something from the human creation. Because we were in Christ before the foundation of the world. He's trying to get us back to where we began, not in seed form, but in full maturity. I don't have a confusion about this man. I told you he's my sugar. He's my sugar. Mm-hmm. I don't have confusion. I don't have doubt. I don't have a bunch of questions. And you know why? Because I cared enough about him to take time in my life and suffer the, the, the price of getting his answers. He said to me, nobody wants to hear my story. I want to tell my story. You know, we don't want to hear his story. We don't understand that God's story is the gospel. And the gospel is not just the gospel of salvation. There are more than 20 strands for the gospel. Then we never tapped into half of them. You know, and so when we think about it, you know, there's the gospel of life. There's the gospel of Christ. There's the gospel of the Son of God. There's the gospel of the circumcision. There's the gospel of the uncircumcision. There's the gospel of truth. There's the gospel of righteousness. There's the gospel of hope. You need to understand all of those words are not just fillers, but they all give us a piece of his experience. And I want you to understand, as we, as we go forward, you hang with me. I'm not going to cheat Jesus. He's my honey. And I am deeply in love. The man took me over. I mean, if I try to cut up, I'm telling y'all, y'all become sitting there sending flowers to some funeral home. Because that's how much he has revealed to me and divulged himself to me. He wants you to know. And the Bible said that we might know Christ. You can't grow without the knowledge of Jesus Christ, not the knowledge of Christology. The knowledge of Jesus Christ. The man Christ Jesus. Apostles were about the man Christ Jesus. They weren't about the doctrines of whatever. The apostles knew that they were agents of the king of glory. They knew that they were dispatched. They were commissioned to let the world know the man, Christ Jesus, the sovereign of creation, has come to take back his possession. Christianity is a very aggressive faith. We're not passive. We're aggressive. How do you think we, took, we became a world power? You don't become a world power without being aggressive. How do you think we dominated? And you got all of this here. Jesus' love kind of cost us, and so Satan is slamming our head in while we sitting there holding peace candles. We got a candle. Ow. Ow. Are you kidding? Christianity is very aggressive because our, our God is a man of war. Yeah. He asked me one thing, and I know um, we're going to give you some time for some. Yeah, because last week we took it. So I want you to tell you something. Jesus asked me a question. And I will pass that question on to you because I feel I'm free to do so. He said, Paula, how do you think I continue to be number one and stay on top of my kingdom and keep it all together, including everything in it? Do you think that was sugar sweet? Or do you think there's a side of me? like every other king, knows that you have to do whatever it takes to keep what has been given to you. God can't let you fall if you are trusting him to rise. He cannot let his kingdom fall back into darkness. He cannot do that because if he does, we are all gone because he knows he's had that experiment. He's seen it. And I need you to think of God. God is a wonderful character in a fictitious story. I need you to think of him as a God 
who started out just as himself and ended up with all of this, and he has to keep it. God has to stay God until the last soul is born and able to say, I choose or refuse Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior, because the promise is to us and all of our generations. He cannot allow himself to be soft and fuzzy when he's asked to defend his purchased possession. He cannot risk that. He knows his enemy. He knows that we are deceived and deluded. He has got to stay God. See, you all don't think about that. God can't back down off his righteousness because we don't like it, because there are generations coming who need it. He can't change. He can't change. He can't surrender. He can't give in. And a lot of these doctrines we have out here intimate that that's what he will do. <coughs> God can't change. He said, I'm the Lord. Oh, hallelujah. I like doing this for God. And you know what? I'm good at it because I plan to be. I bring God my A game. I don't bring him D, E, and F. I'm not an F2 Christian. I bring him my best because he is the God of creation. And he trusts me with his truth. <laughs> well, Prophet Adia, you have some time. You can speak on some. Look, I'm going to let Prophet Adia give you our announcements for the week. Remember, share, share, share. And listen, if this has been a blessing to you, so feed to me. You know, you're not getting this everywhere. I know you're not because it's too dry out there. Y'all ain't dry dog. Now, you might be getting some fragments here and a piece there, but the comprehensive, mm-mm, I can run this with them. You know why? Because I deal with the man, Christ Jesus. He's not an icon and he's not a picture on the wall. He's not a figment of my imagination. I deal with the man, Christ Jesus. And every apostle has got to meet the man in order to get the revelation as opposed to just a simple doctrinal education. Share. Share, 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 and so see. Dr. Paul A. Price said, Dr. Price, that changed my life. That was really great. That was awesome. So a seed. Because you know what? Seed create covenant, and covenant create a harvest. Yes. Amen. So that website, again, if you'd like to sow a seed today, it's drpaulaprice.com, and you're just going to click sow. There's a tab underneath. When you go to the homepage, you'll see a tab that'll say sow. You can also sow into the television broadcast. You can sponsor an episode of Taking It On. So you can do a lot of those things by visiting us and checking out her homepage at drpaulaprice.com. All right, I want to let you guys know about how you can stay connected. If you want more of what you've got today and you've got to see Dr. Price live, then we want you to join us here in Tulsa, the 20th through the 23rd. We are going to be here for our Tulsa Prophetic Training Institute, and you don't want to miss this, guys. So you've got to register online at drpaulaaprice.com. You're going to click events, and then you can get yourself and your family registered for Tulsa Prophetic Training Institute. Again, those dates are the 20th through the 23rd of June. Now, summer enrollment for Price University Mm. is now. Somebody say now. It's right now. Now. Summer enrollment is now. (laughs) April 30th, we kick off our summer sessions. We have three summer sessions this summer, April 30th through the 25th of May, May 28th through the 29th of June, and then July 2nd through the 27th. Those are our three summer sessions. So you can get yourself registered and enrolled for the first summer session. We've got Prophecy Timeline coming in that first Mm -hmm. summer session. 
I believe one of the dreams and visions is in that first summer session, ruling the supernatural, um, divine communications for the young prophet. All of those are part of the first summer session. And we can't forget biblical psychology online starts April 30th. We have extended enrollment yes. for Price University summer. So you can actually enroll right up into the first week of classes till that first Friday of classes, you can enroll. We'll get you taken care of. Don't worry. We'll get you taken care of. Visit us online at priceuniversity.org. If you want to register for one of our self-study classes, the registration is very simple. You're going to fill out a form for us and let us know that you want to take one of those four, six, or eight-week classes. And if you want to be involved in biblical psychology online, you want to be a student of that class, you'll just need to apply to price you. We will help you with those application steps. So again, summer classes start April 30th, and you can enroll at priceuniversity.org. And you know, Adia, the thing for this year's Tulsa Prophetic Training Institute is the prophetic in present tense. Because we have to find out how God is going to use our present to fulfill his future. Mm-hmm. And that's a big subject. Make sure if you're a teacher, if you're a Bible trainer, if you have a class, you have a prophetic company, you need to bring them. This is great stuff. Make sure you do. Go online and register today. And I, I want to see you there. It's going to be amazing. I'm excited. Oh, yeah. Hallelujah. And remember, taking it on with Paula Price, Sundays at 730. It'll be on YouTube, so you'll be ready to take it on. When you go, subscribe to the Taking It On, uh, what is it? Channel. Yes. Channel. It's a channel, right? Yes. Okay, help me, God. Okay, see, now you understand why I got this fruit. All right, so Taking It On channel, make sure you subscribe. You can see it without subscribing, but in order for you to get updates and all of the other things that we have planned for the show, you do need to subscribe. Make sure you do that. Again, as she said, you want to be a part of making tomorrow better for the Lord and his people, then, hey, sponsor an episode. You can sponsor. The information is on my website, drpaulaaprice.com. Before I leave you, I want to invite you to Sunday morning, aha, at the Congregation of the Mighty, Scripture Organic, Cultural Modified Christianity. Join me at 10 a.m. We go live if you're in Tulsa. The address is online. I love you guys. You're powerful people. And together, we're doing mighty, mighty things in the Lord. Let's stay family. Have a great weekend. God bless you. <laughs>